It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. This is Cork Today. Cork Today with Patricia Messenger on C103. And a very good Wednesday morning to you as we welcome you along to Cork today. Sadie, John Paul taking your calls 1850-333-103. Anything you want to share with us, we'd love to hear from you. You can also text and a WhatsApp 0862-103-103. And there is, uh, I suppose, the COVID-19 club. I saw somebody write about it in, in the paper. It's kind of a club that no county in the country wants to be in. And it's to do with this league table that's published I think it's published weekly if not it's published uh, every two weeks and it looks at county by county the number of confirmed cases and they also look at the incident per 100,000 of the population within that county and then they rate each county from the county with the highest number of COVID-19 positive cases over the last two weeks down to the lowest and we were I'm sure it was last week uh, maybe it was the week before we were celebrating the fact when I spoke about it that we were second from the bottom in Cork and usually when you're looking at a league table of all of the 26 counties you're always hoping that Cork will be somewhere up near the top except for this particular league we want to be as close to the bottom as possible so uh, they've updated this particular league table and it's the number of confirmed COVID-19 cases from September the 7th to September the 20th so up to Sunday of this week and it is showing that there are a growing number of counties that are again becoming COVID-19 hotspots and therefore they're on a watch list for a possible lockdown similar to what's been experienced in Dublin uh, at the moment and as I say the last time I mentioned this on air. We were second from the bottom and we were thrilled to be second from the bottom. There was only one other county below us and that was uh, Sligo. Well, I can tell you uh, today we're sixth from the bottom. We're start to, starting to ever so slowly climb up 
the league table, a league table we don't want to be uh, climbing up. Over the two weeks up to last Sunday, we had 146 cases and that puts us, the incident rate per 100,000 is 26.9. Now we are way off what's going on in Dublin. The incident rate per 100,000 of population in Dublin is at 138, which as I say, us were just at almost 27. In Louth, it's at 101. In Donegal, they're at nearly 97 per 100,000 Waterford are at nearly 94, uh, Wicklow 71 and uh, Kildare just over 66 per 100,000 so we here in Cork we're at uh, 26.9 and when I spoke about it last week we were at 12 per 100,000 so we've over doubled the number of cases But and as I say that's up to Sunday so that's not including we had 9 cases on Friday and that was a high enough number for us because the previous month probably very low numbers we weren't even you know when they call out the number of cases and they'll inevitably start with that they over half of them were from Dublin and then they'll list out another another few counties that maybe had 20 cases 19 cases 15 cases and then usually Cork if we were to have any cases were included and 24 across 12 counties so you'd be breaking it down saying okay the most maybe one two maybe three was recorded in our county but that was it and there were some days we actually recorded no case of COVID-19 across Cork City and County and we were very much celebrating that so it came as a bit of a shock we got the 9 on Friday of Sisson okay that's not too bad but then it went to 20 was recorded on Saturday 36 was recorded on Sunday 25 on Monday and of course yesterday's figure was 34 so they really are alarming figures and you're just fearful if it continues like that where is Cork heading? We certainly will be ramping up that league table for sure. And I know doctors in Cork are urging people now this you know, famous saying that we've been hearing for quite some time and what they were saying to the good people of Dublin, to Dublin, double down on your efforts and on public health uh, guidelines because of those COVID-19 cases uh, rising. Four separate premises across Cork City confirmed cases of COVID-19 yesterday. We mentioned uh, some of them yesterday. There was an employee at Penny's in uh, Wilton and of course we spoke about the care choice in Montanati and they have confirmed an incident of COVID at the nursing home although they wouldn't say how many cases that they had at care choice in uh, Montanati. And then there was two secondary schools yesterday reported cases Douglas Community School, they confirmed two cases of COVID-19. A letter was issued to parents indicating the transmission link was identified outside of the school and the two cases uh, were linked. Now, there's a public health risk assessment has also been undertaken there. And then a second school was Coachford College. Parents of students there received a text message from the principal yesterday afternoon informing them that there had been a case confirmed at the school. And reading in the papers today, Karina Karina. Sadler is an infectious disease consultant at Cork University uh, Hospital and she's speaking about the rise in cases over consecutive days and she was talking about the cases up to the three days, Friday, Saturday and Sunday. So that would have been 9, uh, 20 and 36. And she says, when you look at those, and that's not adding, you know, she was talking about those without talking about the ones from Monday and Tuesday, which is 25 cases and 34 cases. But she says that it, 
what's evident from those figures is that community transmission is there. She describes it as a silent reservoir of virus circulating and it's literally looking to jump from person to person. In a tweet, uh, she said that the cases are seeded already for the coming week. But she said beyond that, it is in all of our hands. And then paediatric specialist at the Bond Secure Hospital in Cork, Neve Lynch. She said Cork's recent numbers were seen in Dublin three weeks ago. And she warned that what we do this week will play out in two weeks time. And if you think back three weeks ago, that was when the experts in Neffet were starting to say to Dublin people, you need to double down. You really need to start looking at your contacts. You really need to start playing ball with all of the advice that is out there. And we know because the lockdown has, has happened in Dublin, the people of Dublin didn't heed the advice. So this is a real alarm bell for us here in Cork. If what's happening now was what happened in Dublin three weeks ago, am I going to be sitting here in three weeks time saying, well, it was predicted we didn't change our ways. We didn't reduce our social contact contacts. We didn't do social distancing. We're not washing our hands enough. We need to be wearing uh, masks. It's, you know, it is, as that other doctor said, it's in all of our hands. We can do nothing about the figures this week because they're already seated in the community. But we certainly can start changing the figures for next week and the uh, week after. And also, I think what will show you what concern level is out there, certainly in the city. I'm reading in the papers today that the Joint Police Commission was told that the Community Response Forum, remember the wonderful Community Response forums which were established in late March they were now they were set up all over the country and they were set up to focus on vulnerable individuals and families who were in lockdown and this you could ring a number operated through the council and they would get whatever you needed if it was shopping or you needed prescription collected at the pharmacy whatever you needed there was somebody there to uh, help you out well the city the Cork City Community Response Forum is now poised and ready to reactivate community response groups in 16 areas across the city and the suburbs. And a hotline manned by city council staff was set up to field uh, field and then relay the calls for helping local groups. And uh, that hotline uh, obviously hasn't been used much since we've come out of lockdown. They are now ready to get back up and running again. So that to me shows how worried they are about areas of Cork City and the suburbs. And Dr John Sheen, former mayor of of Cork City. He says Cork has performed well in combating COVID-19 but he's also worried about the fact that the cases are starting to rise. He said it's likely more cases of the virus will be detected in nursing homes uh, and he has added that there is major concern for management of those uh, facilities and nobody wants further cases in nursing homes. It's where the real, real uh, worries are. So it's in all of our hands to all do our bit and to talk to young people and make sure that young people are doing their bit because there is certainly a concern about the number of young people that are being detected with COVID-19 and the number seems to be getting younger um, as well Um, and the number of people who are picking up COVID-19 and no idea where they're picking it up from is also rising. I mean there was 334 cases reported yesterday and when when you dig down into those 334 cases, 55 of the people who tested positive yesterday said they haven't got a clue how 
they caught it, which means COVID-19 is increasingly hidden and therefore it is difficult to control. And Dr Roland Glynn yesterday really, really putting another special appeal out to younger people. And he made the point that despite uh, the fact that younger people account for just a quarter of the population of this country, as people aged between 15 and 34 they're only a quarter of the population. Yet when you look at the COVID-19 cases for the past two months, they account for 40% are in the th- 15 to 34 age bracket. Now, he said it's not surprising. Young people are moving about more in the community. They're now going back to school. They're now going on to third level education. M- you know, many of the them are out at work and they're keeping the economy uh, going. And he did accept that for teenagers and people in their 20s and 30s in particular, he says he knows the ask has been extraordinary. He knows the pandemic has impacted on this age group, on their education, on their employment, on their relationships and on their social lives. And he says the vast majority of young people have done the right thing, have heeded all the public advice and kept themselves and their families safe. But he says the disease is continuing to spread disproportionately among younger people at present. So he's asking people to stick with it and to continue to follow all of the public advice. And again, looking at the cases yesterday, the 334 new cases yesterday. 72% of the cases were aged in people under 45. Again, it's the younger, the majority of cases are in the younger age group. But when you look at that, that's 72% of cases. It also means that 28% of the people who got a COVID-19 positive result yesterday were in the older age groups. And we know, of course, that they are the groups most susceptible to the uh, virus. And Leo Varadkar has been tweeting this morning that, uh, and I read his tweet, he said, yesterday I was informed that I was a close contact of somebody who tested positive for COVID-19. I was swabbed yesterday and the test came back negative. Now, I know that's going to annoy people uh, as the thought. How can he get a test done so quick and get the result back so quick? But anyway, the powers that be can. Then he went on in his tweet to say, in line with public health advice, I will be restricting my movements to home and outdoor exercise. There are no implications for anyone who's been in close contact with me. I perfectly well, but I will be working from home. But he had his test done yesterday and it came back uh, negative, but he was contact traced as uh, having been in close contact of somebody. Now, whether that was done through the tracker, the COVID app or not, I don't know, but that's the latest just in uh, by tweet from the Thornista. Leo Varadkar. 1850-333-103. John Paul and Sarah taking, John Paul and Sadie taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp 0862-103-103. I mentioned that the Thonish Leo Varadkar is uh, tweeting in the last hour that he was a confirmed case. He was contacted to say that he'd come in contact with somebody who tested positive for COVID-19 and he said in his tweet, I was swabbed yesterday and the test uh, has come back negative. Um, Someone by text said, that's so maddening. I've terminal cancer. I got tested Monday and I only got my results uh, this morning. Uh, yeah, and I know when Stephen Donnelly, the Minister for Health, do you remember when he became unwell at the press briefing and he went away and he had a test on instantly and he had results back within a, a couple of hours? That maddened people as well. But I suppose the argument would be put forward. These are our legislators. These are running our country. They're uh, important men and women and that they have to have the results back ASAP. So 
so that they continue to do the great work that they are doing. I'm assuming that's the argument that will be put forward. Uh, and hopefully, uh, the listener doesn't say what the test results were, hopefully it was a negative uh, result that you got. And uh, we wish you well and uh, hope you're keeping well. 1850 Morning, Patricia. Schools need to be closed and closed now. This virus is spreading fast. Primetime reported last night that there was a couple of children as young as two and others no more than and others between 15 and 35 hospitalised with the virus. Action needs to be taken now before it gets out of control. Uh, this list are not happy about schools being opened. I don't know how other parents feel about it. We will be speaking with the ASDI uh, today and they as teachers seem to be uncomfortable about what's happening in some schools and I take it it's in some schools because I certainly have heard from other parents who say that their local school are going above and beyond and everything has been done properly and they feel very comfortable and very happy sending their children to school but you will also have people who are very nervous and very concerned about their children going to school particularly if they feel that the school isn't doing social distancing properly isn't doing the hand hygiene and the cough etiquette and all of that and then of course when when I mentioned this morning for yesterday we had two COVID-19 cases in two secondary schools in Cork uh, yesterday. So yes, it's certainly as we knew and predicted it would be it is spreading in schools for sure. 1850 333 103. John Paul and Sadie taking your course. Text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Cork today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 0862 103 103. Now with COVID-19 affecting the way we all live our lives some people are concerned about their ongoing health due to the way doctors are operating their GP surgeries. We've had listeners contact this programme complaining because they can't get to actually see their doctor and must instead have a consultation over the phone. Senior Line, which is the confidential listening service for older people, are also receiving similar calls. And Anne Dempsey from Senior Line joins me. Good morning to you, Anne. Good morning to you. Uh, and you are, you are very, very welcome. Are your listeners, are the callers to your programme to your service just not happy to only have that telephone com- consultation with their doctor? Do they feel they're not getting through to their doctor what's actually going on in their lives? Partly so, yeah. It's, I suppose, for many of our callers, indeed for many older people, or many people in general, as you know, Patricia, a doctor is a very important person in their lives and kind of a trusted confidant. And many of our callers, their doctor would be that to them, male or female. And suddenly, at a time when they almost needed most all that support, uh, and they would have, you know, a whole lot of different kinds of health worries. They can't seem to have that access in the way they need it. They can't just, you know, have somebody drive them down or drive down themselves or get the bus down and walk in and wait in the waiting room and confident that they're going to be able to talk to somebody and to see and be seen. And that's a big piece that's gone for them. But you can understand why GPs are doing this? Completely. Oh, completely. And... I suppose some of our callers understand it better than others, I would say. And is it possible to insist that you get an appointment to go in and see your doctor, do you know? I don't know. No. We haven't had that conversation. Yeah. Well, well, that's not quite true. If we, What we would do is, obviously, the caller is the person to us and we'd listen to their situation and we'd, you know, we'd ask them to explain it to us as best they can. And then, you know, the force of their argument, we would say, look, that sounds very reasonable. And, you know, I can see you're obviously very upset. Would you not phone the surgery and just tell them what you've told us? 
Mm. You know, so they can kind of have a little bit of a rehearsal with us and get their thoughts in order. Because as you know, sometimes we don't represent ourselves very well sometimes when we go to the doctor. And it's it's very good to be, tell somebody so you're kind of clear what you want to say. And particularly if you feel that I don't have a lot of time and I have to rush this and you know yourself. Yeah, and I know any of the people who've contacted us and in the main it ha- it has been some of our older uh, listeners uh, frustrated and upset because they can't get to see their doctor. Uh, but uh, we we always try to get through to them to you know call your doctor back, especially if symptoms are not going away or they're getting worse. Very much so. Very much. Oh, absolutely so. And I suppose, like an awful lot of people call us Patricia, they've been, you know, that oval where they've been cocooning, they've been sheltering, they've been, you know, a lot of them haven't gone out at all hardly, which is not good for them. But so that, you know, if they have a symptom, it is what we can say, but it's it's probably unlikely to be COVID related if they haven't been with anybody. And many of them haven't. And it's probably, you know, it, it just a, a cold or a stiffly nose or something. But you know yourself, when you're living on your own, when you're older, you know, your fears magnify in that kind of isolated situation. And is coronavirus uh, an, a topic that's coming up on, on your helpline? Are, Absolutely. Are, are, many, they, are they many elderly people fearful, very Night, fearful? noon and morning. We oh had, my we God. We chat with all our volunteers last week and uh, the calls are getting much more difficult. The, the whole thing is kind of biting deeper, you know, and our callers are ever more fearful. And I mean, one of the volunteers said to me, uh, she said, Anne, um, I, I lifted the phone and all I, she just talked and talked and talked and talked and talked and a whole lot of pent up feelings and fears and worries and I just let her talk. Those, that release valve was so necessary and at the end she said, I wasn't able to cure anything but obviously the caller felt so much better and told, told us so. Yeah, yeah, just, to have, just to have somebody to, to listen. That somebody listen to knows how they are and somebody has heard and somebody has listened. Yeah. Yeah. Because loneliness, uh, and, and as as you've said, okay, lockdown ended, and the dreadful word uh, cocooning was put behind behind us. Mm. But there are people who never have come out of that zone. They've well, well, this is what we're finding, and you know, one of the as things as as the whole situation has moved on, we're now finding that we sometimes need to offer a different different kind of support. A lot of our volunteer, a lot of our callers are having very empty, kind of vapid kind of days, and we would be talking to to them about, look, how can you, what can you give yourself today? How can you build some structure into your day? How can you give yourself some purpose and challenge? Because we all need that. So sometimes we would kind of break the day down to incremental steps with the caller and say, look, you know, how about, or what do you think you're doing this morning? And again, if they tell us what they think you're doing, they know that they've told us, and that's an added incentive for them to know to do it. Yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's all it's all very simple, but yes, it's kind of can be very profound as well. I think you know. But one day is rolling into the next day is rolling into the next day, yeah. and and I know, and we've been doing it here in the program now for many months. Yeah. Actually, at the start of the program, saying what day it is. Now, I would never normally do that on on this program, but it got to the stage where we had people, and I'm not just talking about elderly people, particularly during <laughs> lockdown. People say, oh, "What day of the week it is?" I you know? know. So I always start with I you know, know, and a happy Wednesday morning to, to yeah. and it's just to let people oh okay it is Wednesday we're, we're, we're in the middle of the week but you're right it's to get to put some kind of structure in yeah. the person's life and some kind of goal Patricia 
even if it's a small goal, even if it's I'm going to walk round the block, you know, before 11 o'clock and then I'm going to have a cup of coffee and then I'll have bought the paper. I mean, and I'm going to read the paper and again, I might phone my friend or I'll phone senior line and again, do you know what I mean? Build in little small um, treats, little small goals, small actions because I think we would can't overestimate the value of trying to get out on that daily walk because something happens in your energy. Something there's a there's something happens to you. You come home a different person. Yeah, you do. You, you do. Know? Absolutely, you do. Yeah. And we have had. I know the weather's changing a bit, but we've have have had some nice weather. But even if it's a cold day, you you can you wrap can wrap up, up warm. You know, we and, have and Dublin got you know gone into not quite a lockdown, but they have further restrictions, and there is the fear yeah. that other counties are yeah. going to fa- follow suit. I'm yeah. assuming older people would just dread the thought that there would be further lo- lockdowns Very put on them. so. We've a little kind of spurts of rebellion going on. So, so, so I was like, I'm not going to do this again. I'm into, you know, so, and again, it's mixed with the early indignation that they were all kind of cast as one homogenous group. Do you know what I mean? So, People that are saying that, obviously, we have our writ won't run to what they do in their own homes. But we do try and have a good conversation about being prudent around all of this and about taking care of themselves and taking care of others, you know, without being any way preachy, you know. OK. And, and but overall, there are many older people who are, who are getting on with life. And, yeah. and, and they're coping with the restrictions. Very much so. I mean, again, I'm talking to a whole kind of tapestry here, a whole range of calls. I mean, when I'm calling my volunteers in the evening, I'd have a whole different pattern of, of callers. And you see, a lot of our callers are regular. And with our traditional regular callers have been joined by a whole new group of regular callers who found these months hard and discovered us and then we are their kind of lifeline. So there's a whole kind of rich symphony of callers every day. I mean it's very, it's it's lovely really without getting too silly about it and it is older people listening to older people so there's a huge amount of empathy and common ground. And all of your volunteers are obviously working from home are they? All working from home Home, now. yeah. 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 It's, yeah. Brilliant. It's, a brilliant, yeah. it's a brilliant service. We're Remind, remind us how you're funded, Anne. We get core funding from the HSE. Okay. And because the HSE recognises Patricia as a primary care service, part of in the community, that frontline service, helping to keep older people at home living as independently and as well as possible. And it's on that basis that they fund us. And you're 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. Every day. Seven days, day seven days a week. One eight hundred eighty forty five ninety one. And it's always a pleasure to talk to you. Look after yourself, and we'll chat again. Thank you so much. Thanks a million. Bye bye. Bye bye. Anne Dempsey there of Senior Line. And if anybody wants to pick up the call, to pick up the phone and ring Senior Line, you'll just you'll get a listening ear if nothing else. One eight hundred free phone number. One eight hundred eighty forty five ninety one. Our number is 1850 3331033333103333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333
Uh, yes, I think so. Uh, definitely from uh, my experience and what I'm just seeing out there as well, that, that I think that, you know, you're finding that people that's not even one or two degrees aren't even enough anymore, that uh, people are staying, or kiddos, even something my cop referred to, are staying in college for a lot longer and um, they're coming out into the marketplace and they were competing with other people who got the same kind of degrees, you know. Mm. Um, I know, look, there's a perception that people are, you know, they're, uh, might have thought before looking down on uh, the trades somewhat, but I can tell you that uh, the trades from what they used to be even 20 years ago or even 40 years ago are uh, only a former shadow themselves because they've become so technical now and we're now, uh, renewals been becoming so big and, uh, you know, uh, knowing the technical data and integrating different systems together, different operating systems, I mean, it's a much broader uh, spectrum of work. And there's and always only, yeah. there's always work there for all the different tradespeople. I mean, you Absolutely. talk to anyone who, if oh, somebody yeah. needs a plumber or an electrician or a carpenter or whatever, and you ring, and everybody's working flat out. Hen's teeth. There's like hen's teeth at the moment. Yeah. And I'm, I, I, all plumbers. I'm looking for plumbers. I know other plumbers looking for plumbers. Uh, I'd say there's not a plumber out there. There's not an established plumber out there at the moment who's not getting a phone call from other contractors looking for plumbers. Yeah. yeah. Or they're looking, or, or what's happening, every week I'm getting phone calls, and I know my, some of my associates uh, would be in the same position. They're getting phone calls of other plumbers who are not showing up. I was even told last week that a plumber is after ghosting me, that they, uh, and a typical subfellow would come to a house, look at it, and says, yeah, he's coming back, or, or, or whatever, or she's coming back, and, not, uh, and, and never hear from them again. Just not right. interested in the job. Okay, what yeah. qualities do you look for in a plumbing apprentice? <laughs> pretty soon we'll be getting fairly desperate I'm not joking you like but um, well I think really um, you know self-reliant uh, a, a critical thinker ability to learn you like the outdoors um, if you're social if you're a very social person which I am myself it really suits my personality um, I like to meet people and mix with people uh, there's an element of selling in my job in particular in my company as well because we do sell products too as well and uh, water filters and so on and so forth and do renewables um, it's a very you know it's a very broad and plumbing is a very broad spectrum in Ireland it's you have plumbing and heating you could have underfloor heating you have water filtration you've got you've got um, air, you know very, uh, mechanical and, and ventilation now as well um, so many different aspects you've got solar and what, you've got gas in particular so if you go to if you go to Australia for, if a plumber goes from Ireland to Australia they're automatically qualified in about three or four different trades if you yeah. go to other countries like Germany it's broken down you actually have like a first fixed company same in Australia you have got uh, you might have ventilation first and you've got second fixed heating or second fixed um, uh, bathroom wear installation and so on you know so like you you, you you it was going great, to be one. It was going to be one of my selling points uh, to yeah. you that there you can travel the world. Absolutely, with, yeah. With, yeah. With 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 the trade, you, you certainly can. Now, you're op- are you open to both male and female? Oh, Oh, one hundred percent. In fact, um, I had um, uh, the last few apprentices I had was well, actually, I have, uh, uh, yes, indeed. Uh, so I had um, a, a girl who worked for me there um, about a number of years ago. It was absolutely fantastic. Ivan Hunt, and she's over in New Zealand now, uh, one of West Cork's greatest. She was, you know, uh, she was um, uh, an amazing individual in that. She was very uh, mentally strong and resilient and tenacious. And she played rugby for Clan, and she tried, she tries even for Munster as well. So she was, very, she was fairly strong as and well. And is she now working as a plumber in New Zealand? 
I know she did it for a while, but I know she started. She's actually she's a young family now, and as far as I know, oh, she's, okay. working, she, she's working in in a, in a building suppliers over there. Well, and, well but has all the plumbing experience behind her? Well, I mean, this is it. I mean, you can walk in, and, and I, I'm not joking. And if if I had, and I, I you know, um, I I know a lot of plumbers and, and tradesmen are actually very good cooks. And it's it's <laughs> because you've got the recipe, which is like your, your materials list. You've got your method and your methodology of doing and doing the job. And it's very mindful as well, and, and work. Work can be like that as well. And uh, if I had, if I was doing any job, and I had a carpenter in front of me, uh, I had a plumber, and I had two other two or three guys with some kind of business degrees, and I was looking for something to run a company, I'd go for a tradesman straight away. Because Would I you? tell you why, they're, they're not afraid to get their roller sleeves up. Uh, they've worked with other people. Uh, they've obviously stuck something out for four years. Uh, they're qualified in something else, and uh, they showed. I know that any tra- most tradespeople have enough get up and go and gumption. Once they qualify and once they apply themselves, they can probably do anything. Is it hard work? Yeah, it can be hard work, but I mean, it's a very noble profession and, you know, there's nothing wrong with it. Many people that come home with a, you know, sweat and a brow at the end of the day, it's, it's very, Nothing very wrong with that. Nothing wrong and, with uh, that. And, and listen, listen to me, all this COVID, this thing that's going on, uh, there's a medical, you know, the best practice, HSE, that only works if there's hot water in the taps. Yeah. There's a lot of schools out there, out there at the moment need to retrofit it for, for, for hot water and uh, maintenance needs to be done all the time. And we are, this is not just, about, okay, I'm looking for an apprentice today, male or female, for, for, for the right candidate. Great work opportunities um, for, for, the, for, the, for the future and, for, and even attaining a work-life balance, particularly if you want to work for yourself. But I would say that the government would have to, need to support the trades a little bit more. I don't think they're supporting them enough. I, I noticed, for example, that insurance companies now at the moment and accountancy firms are taking on and giving full paid apprent- uh, apprenticeships to uh, or payments to apprentices. But uh, and that's, that's been subsidised by their industries. But there's been a deregulation of in, in, in plumbing in the unions. Or their unions are pretty much non-existent anymore. Uh, the rates and in, in it's kind of a case of divide and conquer. And uh, we, in, the, in this race at this bottom, we've be actually becoming effective. We're actually in grave danger of becoming ineffective in this country because if we can't supply the workforce to do the work, we're going to lose our infrastructure. And yeah, and, that and, and, and we, need we, need, we, we need them. And of course, one of the big advantages of doing an apprenticeship like what you're offering with plumbing is you get paid yeah. while you're training as opposed to go to college where you could end up with a massive bill at the end of it. Absolutely. Uh, uh, preferably, I'd like to see an apprentice who's living at home for a while. Uh, you know, it's been <laughs> so they're being they're being monitored a little bit, being shepherded a little bit uh, until can show develop some good, mature, good maturity. Mm. Um, they uh, you, you, generally again with a small trade, uh, a sole trader like myself, um, you get a, a broad spectrum of experience. You could be doing a solar panel one day. You could be doing uh, a boiler the next day, a bathroom the next day. You could be fixing a, a, a bit of plumbing that's 150 years old. Wow. You, wow. Yeah. And, I mean, you do get to appreciate some really old buildings, appreciate some great architecture. You get to see the old work practices and you, you put yourself into the mind of somebody who was working there 100 years ago. And you have to become a bit of a detective because you have to figure out um, what's going wrong here yeah well you, have to, well you have to put yourself in, in, in the mind of somebody and this is the thing and this is why training is so important because there's a methodology for doing everything so most plumbers who are being trained correctly will follow the right methodology so it's very easy for the next guy to come on because it must be done a certain way but as is, if we don't reinvest in the services 
you'll have a, a lot of have a go heroes. I'm not criticizing them. A lot of time it's out of necessity. Or and Dr. Google uh, is very, very, and YouTube, they're all very handy and all the rest of it. But one thing is for sure if you play cheap in plumbing, you will pay twice. Yeah. We take it for granted. Yeah. We use plug, we use hot water, we use heating and, 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 uh, in our houses every single day. But yet, sometimes we just take it on a mer- we take a plumber, uh, we get him into our house to do the work, and we without references or whatsoever, and we take it on good faith uh, from your contractor or builder at the time as well. You know. Okay. So in the, uh, you know. Let me go. Uh, let me go back to our push sure. to try and get you an apprentice plumber. Uh, education qualifications is it leaving search standards yeah, you're yeah, looking for? Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, and, and unfortunately, it has to be uh, leaving cert or an equivalent, the equivalent uh, uh, of, of that if you don't do the full leaving cert these okay. days. Okay, you know, so and it you, takes what, four years to from start to finish to fully qualify? It can, well, it can take four to five years now because you might be waiting for block release in solace, which used to be false. And I would say in fairness, they're actually great and very proactive and, and false in the pension services there. And then they're always trying to innovate and add new modules. I think the new module on there, one of the first modules is about, is about teamwork and communication, so, uh, which is very much uh, in fitting with the, you know, the new era of plumbing because okay. it's emails, it's information. And, in the and how, how does somebody contact you, Donna? Uh, well, they can either um, they go on my Facebook page, or uh, which is ecoplum, uh, is at ecoplum.ie, or, I, or my or my email address is also on my website, which is ecoplum.ie, or they can contact you to your offices as well. And we can, we, can, we can pass it on. Dennis wants to know: could you area, could yeah. you uh, could you ask a donor from uh, Ecoplum? Will there be sustainable levels of work in the future with the banning of oil and gas boilers in the near future? Um, absolutely. One word: renewables yeah. pumps. Photoelectric, you've got uh, hydrogeneration. Uh, in the future, there probably will be microgeneration. We'll be, we'll be producing electricity in our own homes, and therein we'll need to get uh, supply. We'll probably be putting, uh, supplying energy back to the grid. And there again, it comes back full circle to my point as well that we need to invest in the infrastructure, not just in, in, in hard infrastructure, but in, in people as well. because they are the future of this country. Absolutely, and, absolutely. You know, okay, and Eilish, one of our listeners says, thank God to hear that plumber Donna speaking on the radio station today. As I said, only last week, up the apprenticeships. Okay, i got to leave it there. Uh, Donna, listen, can good, I, good luck. Can, Go can, on. I, can, I just, can I just say one more thing? Shout out to all the plumbers in West Coast. Okay. You know you are, you are. You're doing a good job. You're noble. Chin up, guys and girls. You're doing a great, great job. And... Uh, Solidarity. Take care. Look after yourself, Donna. Good to chat. We're talking about COVID tests and Leo Varadkar getting his COVID test yesterday and the results back very quickly. Michael says, I went to St. Mary's to get a COVID test at half past nine yesterday morning. I had my results by 5.17 yesterday evening. That is terrific and that's the way it should be for everyone. Okay, let's take a break. We have news at 11 on the way. Catch up with your calls and comments and we'll also speak with the ASDI who are threatening strike action if more isn't done to protect the health of teachers and those in the school community. This is Court Today. Court Today with Patricia Messenger on C103. Court's greatest hits. C103. You're listening to Court Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed.
Some of your calls and comments coming in. We were talking about doctors in the last hour and GP practices and how we now interact with our doctor. And if you need to see a doctor, they'll do it over the phone. And some people are not happy with that and would like us to go back to the old system whereby you make an appointment and you go in and you see your doctor in the flesh. Uh, others are saying, look, the system is working really well. But I think a lot of people can understand why they're trying to stop people actually going into the GP practice. But it just it doesn't suit everybody. But listen to Tom's story. I'd like to make a comment on doctors because my daughter, who is a primary school student, when we came back from a break at the start of September, my little girl was sick, flu-like symptoms. So we obviously kept her out of school and we contacted our GP with the information, gave the symptoms and all that, told the secretary and the secretary said, the doctor will get back to you. Well, Patricia... We're still waiting for the call back. Now, she has recovered fine and she's gone back to school since. But just to let you know, it was just a staycation, by the way. We weren't out foreign or anything uh, like that, but it was flu-like symptoms. Wow, really surprised to hear that because I would have thought if your little girl was presenting with flu-like symptoms, I would have thought she would have been sent straight away for a COVID-19 test. But anyway, glad to hear that she's bounced back and it is only was only a little bit of a head cold or whatever it was and that she's okay but very disappointed to hear that waiting on a call back from a doctor and you didn't get it that's that's not good enough that really is not a good enough service and then somebody else says what about a patient who is in hospital at the moment I'm finding it very hard to get medical information on the patient particularly on test results I cannot get to meet a doctor cannot understand why they don't give an, uh, an appointment time so the family members who are worried about loved ones inside in a hospital are able to get to chat with the doctor when I'm there during visiting hours there are no doctors available would you know am I entitled to make a call to the ward manager I absolutely would say you're entitled I mean I'm assuming it's an next to kin and it's somebody you are worried about well I'd suggest you do when you're on your next visit to the hospital see if you can speak to somebody I know the nurses are working uh, flat out and maybe ask what's the best number to call who should you be contacting and explain your concerns and your worries because Maybe you might get a nurse there or a ward sister there who's actually able to help you out there and then. But yes, I I would see no reason why you're not entitled to make a call to the ward manager. You might get through to somebody straight away, but I'd leave a name and a number, explain why you're calling and get them to call you back and keep calling until you eventually do uh, get get through to uh, somebody. 1850 Some of your calls uh, coming in. Oh, by the way, before I get some of your calls, when I was just after doing the weather forecast there, Met Aaron have issued a weather warning uh, for wind. Very windy conditions are expected to develop in parts of Munster overnight tonight and during tomorrow morning. Southerly winds veering west to northwest today will reach mean speeds of 55 to 65 kilometres an hour, gusts of 90 to 110 kilometres if you're in coastal areas or on exposed hills. So that's a yellow wind warning uh, for parts of Munster tonight and into tomorrow morning. Now Derek contacted us and this was Derek reacting when I was talking about the figures uh, here in Cork and how the figures have started to rise and we are in a situation now where Dublin was three weeks ago and we know what happened. They didn't listen in Dublin. They didn't heed the advice. They didn't double down on all of the guidelines and therefore then three weeks later they found themselves in a situation where they're in lockdown uh, with further restrictions. Not lockdown but they have further restrictions. Nobody wants that for us here in Cork. So this is kind of alarm bells and people are worried and particularly when when I was mentioning that the, the community response plan, they've got that on standby ready to go again for 16 areas of Cork 
city and the suburbs. So the powers that be are worried. Well, Derek contacted us because he works in a city hospital and he says, I can tell you, Patricia, we are worried. Those higher up are worried because the numbers are increasing. He said, as I walk around the city, particularly over the last few days, I see people sit out, sitting outside bars having a drink. And he said they're acting as if nothing is going on. You wouldn't even believe, looking at them, that we're living in the middle of a pandemic. What happens if things get out of control? I feel those that are out partying and giving us working in the health service a slap in the face. I hear people on about we need to have the old health minister, Simon Harris, uh, back. And no offence to Dr. Ronan Glynn, who's now delivering the messages from Neffet at the moment, but I don't feel he has... The same level of confidence that Tony Houlihan has. Tony Houlihan came came across as a much more mature, measured man. And people seem to believe what Tony Houlihan was saying. And he said, this is no disrespect to Dr. Roland uh, Glynn. But I feel it's Dr. Tony Houlihan we need back again. People seem to be drifting away from the message. Um, and I think everybody loved Tony Houlihan. And you're right, it's not taken away from Roland Glynn. But he, yeah, I don't know what it is. And, you know, Dr. Roland Glynn is delivering the very same message. But are people just not listening to him in the way that we listen to Tony Houlihan? And is it because it was a change personnel? Or is it because people are just getting weary of the same message I don't know and actually just while we've mentioned Dr Tony Houlihan somebody else was on saying Patricia does anybody know how Dr Tony Houlihan's wife is getting on Eileen was on she she often thinks of her I'm wondering how is how is he how is she doing have we heard anything haven't heard a single thing we just know that Dr Tony Houlihan stepped down as the chief medical officer because his wife was going into she was going into palliative care at that at that stage she was suffering from a terminal cancer but I, no I haven't heard any anything else if if we do yeah and I mean and the family obviously are being allowed their privacy which is which is very obvious but it's good to know that people are still thinking of Tony Houlihan and his wife and uh, family on testing Ross says I got a test last Tuesday morning as I had a cold and my workplace said no you need to go for a COVID-19 test all my workmate, all my housemates were told then they had to isolate I didn't get a result until Thursday afternoon now it wasn't too bad a two day turnaround but still I feel it was too long uh, particularly as the numbers are increasing we need these test results and we need them quicker plus all of my housemates had to isolate as well so they were all out of work and, my, and their workmates then were worried when they were hearing they were isolating because they were living with somebody who was waiting on a COVID result. We need faster turnaround when it comes to COVID-19 testing. Michael said, I had a COVID test last Thursday morning at 10am. I had my results back by Friday at 4pm by text. Now, it's not the first time I've had a test, as says Michael. I had done back in June. Also received the results within 24 hours. I think they're doing a tremendously good job, says uh, Michael. Thanks for that, uh, Michael. Off licences, Pat says the forbidden word is off licences. Why are we not talking about closing off licences and anywhere that sells alcohol? That's where the problem is coming from. By keeping them open, we are enabling house parties in the spread of COVID. Why is nothing been done about that, says uh, Pat. You're not the first, Pat, can I tell you, to contact us and say we should be closing down off licences. Some of your text messages 
coming in to us. Somebody says, no harm if every town, city, shop, school, off-licence, pub, church, etc. was shut down once a week and a curfew put in place because people are not social distancing and reckless endangerment is what they are causing to others. And hi Patricia, can you tell me how many cases uh, have been confirmed in Mitchellstown and Kilbehany areas as I don't understand how to get on gov.ie that you were uh, talking about. Okay, we only have the these, the one that's at gov.ie on the map where you could go to any electoral area around the country and find out how many people had tested positive for COVID-19. It's within the two weeks from the 1st of September to the 14th of September. We've been checking it every morning. It hasn't been updated since. John Paul has actually sent an email through to the Department of the Taoiseach just to try to find out when are they expecting to update it again. Um, we're reckoning it's probably every two weeks and if that, if we're right, then it won't be updated until next week and then we'll have the figures from the 14th of September through to the 28th. That's what we're assuming but we're trying to get confirmation. So the figures from the 1st to the 14th of September so for earlier this month in the area that you are talking about. Mitchellstown came in under the Fromoy local electoral area which is a wide area covers Donnerail, Shambally Moor, Glamworth, Rackorma, Kilworth, Mitchellstown, Fromoy and Castle Lines and the confirmed cases in the two week period was nine in that uh, area uh, and that was the area that had the highest well I think people were saying that was because of Fromoy and people were knowing exactly why that figure was at nine but I can't give you an actual individual for just Mitchellstown and Kilbehany but up to those certainly for those two weeks they were very low in, in those areas and the listener also says I don't understand why people attended the Glen Eagle at the weekend I mean what do they expect how many people from that concert will get the virus Thanking you, Patricia, from Mitchellstown listener who's trying to mind myself. Well, that's all we can do. We can only all look after ourselves, keep up the social distancing, keep up the good hand hygiene, wear your mask when you're out. Don't go into any setting where you're feeling uncomfortable. If you're in somewhere where you feel there's too many people, then you just get out there. Just just leave. You're not going to be able to force everybody else out, out, out of wherever you are that's crowded, but you can do something yourself. And that's all we can do. We all have to just try and look after uh, ourselves. And hi, uh, Patricia, has Cork County Council put out any notifications on the radio for the travelling public who are going through Bally Desmond? The reason the listener sends in the text is they say that there's road resurfacing scheduled for the next two weeks and there's a stop and go system in place so there are delays so could you warn people if you're travelling through Bally Desmond you can expect delays and then on completely different issue a listener was on to say Patricia I'm absolutely disgusted at the scenes on the streets of Mallow yesterday. Have we lost control of our town to the thugs who think they can act like this? I hope the guards will protect our town from this happening again and that those people are prosecuted. A statement issued said there was no arrests were made. Why is it that they can act like that and get away with it? I'm a parent and this is not the Mallow I want my children to socialise in. Now what that listener is talking about, for anyone that didn't see it because it was certainly a video that went viral yesterday. It was an incident that happened on Bridge Street in Mallow at I think it was half past 12 yesterday and the video clip that I saw was of traffic. Anyone who knows Mallow would know Bridge Street in Mallow is notoriously one of those bottlenecks that's always backed up with traffic and there was an incident where two guys get out of a car, they run across the road to a car who was in the opposite lane of traffic but they're almost beside each other. It looked like they had some kind of crowbars in the car and they just started smashing in the driver's window and the back window and once the 
windows were smashed, couldn't hear what was being said on the video. They then jumped back into their car and then they were all stuck in traffic. I didn't, it was kind of one of those moments where you thought, my God, what's going to happen next? You could hear people in other cars bipping their horns, was I suppose the best others could to try to stop what was going on. We did get onto the Gardaí. They, uh, they confirmed that the incident took place. Uh, they are, they say they're investigating cri- a criminal damage incident that occurred on Bridge Street in Mallow yesterday afternoon at around 12.30 in which two men exited a car and caused damage to another car. No arrests have been made but guard investigations are ongoing and that's as much that we got from the Gardaí yesterday but I would have to agree with that listener. It was quite frightening indeed to watch it and I would have been terrified to have been sitting in a car witnessing that going on. Very, very frightening uh, situation because I heard about it yesterday afternoon and when I heard about it, I thought it was around the time that the children were coming out of school and I was thinking, oh, please don't say there was children around that would have witnessed that. But it's, yeah, you're right, Mallow's a lovely town and it isn't the town that anybody wants to, uh, wants to, you know, to raise children and socialise in. Nobody wants it seems like that to happen in their own hometown, that's for sure. 1850-333-103. John Paul and Sadie are taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp 0862-103-103. C103 Jobs. Full and part-time positions are available for experienced waiting staff. It is for Sea Church in Ballycotton. Full and part-time living carers, one for Cork City and County. While uh, a community employment positions are available... Secretary and a caretaker wanted for Shambhali Moore Community Centre. Uh, environmental workers are wanted in Donnerail and a caretaker is wanted for evening work in the Donnerail area. And Westco Windows there in Ballinine, they're looking for carpenters. Jobs come with immediate start. You'll find all the details and many, many more jobs by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 103 103. And I just literally have had an update from the Gardaí in Mallow to do with that incident on Bridge Street yesterday, the criminal damage incident uh, where the two men exited the car and caused damage to another car at half twelve yesterday. Gardaí uh, attended and carried out a patrol of the area but no arrests were made. Uh, detectives Mallow Gardaí carried out an investigation and executed a search warrant with the assistance of the armed support unit this morning. As a result Gardaí have arrested a juvenile and a man aged in his 20s during the course of the search Gardaí uh, also seized a number of offensive weapons so two have been arrested for that incident in Mallow yesterday juvenile and a man aged in his 20s if we get more on that story we will bring it to you now the ASTI Central Executive Committee has heard that teachers have serious concerns about the health and safety of school communities the ASTI is set to ballot its members in relation to a number of key issues and they say strike action is a possible option. Anne Pickett is the president of the ASTI and Anne joins me. Good morning to you, Anne. Good morning. Uh, and you're welcome to the programme. Now, can you just outline what are the main issues that teachers are so concerned about since they've gone back into the classroom? Right, so teachers are very concerned primarily about their health and safety, the health and safety of pupils and health and safety of relations at home and people in the community. Um, I suppose one thing would be physical distancing in schools. So we've heard about many crowded classrooms, some with 32 and 33 students in them, and that has not been fixed, with no social distancing. We are hearing about efforts to hold staff meetings with 50 or 60 people present in the one room. 
and we're hearing about students gathering in big groups in canteens and they're allowed to do that in their schools. So our members are very worried about um, positive cases emerging and then the virus transmitting. That's one issue. And there are, there are other issues. So in relation to close contacts in a classroom, the European Centre for Disease Prevention and Control has recognised the close contacts of someone who's been in a classroom with a confirmed case for more than 15 minutes. But in schools where a, a person has been tested positive, quite often nobody else is being told to isolate and close contacts might only be tested after three or four days. So they're just some of the concerns we have. Yeah, I, I, and only we were only today, this morning, talking about two schools in, in Cork that have had uh, confirmed positive cases. And certainly I know parents get very nervous when a text message comes home to say there has been a COVID-19 case. I think many parents thought that if there was a COVID-19 case in the classroom that everybody would be tested. But that's not the case. No, that that was our impression. We were hoping that when schools would open, everything would be as safe as they possibly could. And we have sought to discuss a range of issues with the Health Protection Surveillance Centre for weeks now. And we've asked the following three questions. So, for example, when a case has been confirmed, it will not be automatically assumed that a whole class will be deemed as close contacts and why. No blanket policy on testing an entire year group. And experts argued that if a child was infected, the entire class at a minimum would go home and isolate and get tested. But that is not happening in schools. And I think even yesterday I read a report by one of the other teacher unions who are saying that they have been contacted by parents to tell them a case is positive. The, the health authorities are slow in that they don't seem to have enough staff to cope. And it's the principals are ringing the health authorities wondering if they should contact the parents. And as you say, there are cases reported yesterday and today in Cork. And the number that I... If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. 
Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program. This Mother's Day, treat mom to healthy, glowing skin with Osea's limited-edition skincare sets. Osea has been making clean, seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. Their advanced eye care duo brightens and firms skin around your eyes, while the Golden Glow Body Trio nourishes and smooths skin all over. Go to oseamalibu.com and use code MOM for 10% off your first order site-wide. Here from yesterday's Irish Times is 142 positive cases associated with schools. Uh, yeah, and uh, yeah, that's the that's the, the the last figure that we can get. But that number is obviously higher now because we know that there has been more cases um, uh, since. Um, and what what I find so hard is if this was any other business. I mean, if somebody, for example, here at the radio station tested positive for COVID nineteen, everybody else would be sent for a test. Yes, and I presume everybody in the radio station is probably more distant than children and parents. Children and teachers who are sitting very close to each other in schools, but but that doesn't seem to be the way. I think the the health advice is sort of saying, well, if the person who who is suspected of being positive or the person who is tested positive is removed, well, then the virus is removed from the classroom setting. But that is a fear. Like, I've been contacted by teachers in the past few weeks now about going into a classroom to students who sat with people who were tested positive for a whole day in their classrooms. And teachers were very worried, as you can understand. And the other thing then is, we saw last week in the Doyle, we saw that perhaps the Minister for Health thought that he had COVID. He was tested within four hours and the Cabinet were told to restrict their movement for a period of time. Now, the only good news there, I suppose, is they did test him in four hours and thank God he wasn't ill. But at the same time, he got a four-hour test and we're waiting longer. And we would even be happy with a day's turnaround and we would hope that that could be answered. And the Tornish de Leo Varadkar this morning tweeting he had a test yesterday and had the results back uh, almost within hours uh, as well. Is there Are there any allowances made for teachers and with underlying health conditions or if they have a very you know vulnerable member of their family at home? If they have a vulnerable member of their family at home, all they can do is take care of leave and stay at home, um, just like they want to mind any sick relations. So I think that's probably our members' biggest concern. They're not worried about themselves, really. They're worried about going home to an elderly parent or a mother-in-law or um, a relation who's very vulnerable. In relation to high-risk teachers themselves, so there are two categories. There's high-risk and very high-risk. And to be on the very high risk, you you are very seriously ill. But there are some teachers on the high risk category who have had cancer, heart disease, um, or a combination of heart disease and diabetes. Or I've heard the most heartbreaking stories from teachers. And originally, when they applied, perhaps to work remotely at home, uh, they were turned down by Medmark. Now, since then, a few have been, if I can use the term, upgraded. They got letters from their consultants to say they were very high risk and their lives were seriously in danger, and they then were allowed to work from home. But there are several other teachers with serious illnesses who are very worried going into school. 
And uh, and obviously there are some schools will be, and I hate to use words, better than others, but you, you'll have smaller schools that won't have the same problem as, say, some of the larger schools with the bigger class numbers. Yeah, and, and more than that, I think it's probably the sizes of classrooms as well and how schools are trying to cope. Um, they're, they're doing their best in certain places, but in other places it sounds like there's no effort much being made at all. I mean, I hear stories of the desk spread out, 24 students, there is one metre, and then suddenly there are students left over. So they're brought back in, and extra tables are brought back in, so we're back to where we were before. Um, it is difficult. I'm also hearing stories about staff rooms have disappeared, and a large staff room might have been turned into two or three extra classrooms. As a result of that, teachers have nowhere to go to have a cup of tea or to have their lunch. Now, nobody is complaining about that. I hear of teachers standing in corridors eating their sandwiches or going into their car to prepare their lessons. Um, they're, they're just worried about space and health. But there are several issues. Or teachers kind of putting a spare desk at the end of a cold corridor where they can sit and correct some copies. But as I say, that is not their issue. They are not complaining about those things. They are, they are worried about their health. OK, here's a, t- here's a text in from a teacher that I imagine you're going to be able to identify with. Anne says, uh, Patricia, I'm a teacher at home today. Why? I'm awaiting a COVID test later on. I'm beyond fur- furious. I have a vulnerable child who is a very serious risk from COVID-19. I've worn my own masks religiously since going back into the classroom. Hand sanitising, wiping down desks and laptops, etc. Masks provided by the school are not c- certified and to be honest, they're a very bad fit. No social distancing amongst the kids kids outside the classroom at break time etc. No mask wearing the moment your back is turned. No guaranteeing of sanitising of equipment. Base room for students mean I'm at risk moving around. I'm not considered a close contact of my students. Students spend one hour 20 minutes in a confined room with very poor ventilation and yet I'm not deemed a close contact. Furious doesn't begin to describe how I feel this morning. That's incredible isn't it? One hour 20 minutes and you're not deemed close contact? No, and it could be up to two hours if you have a double class or if you have a class for history followed by geography and you teach the same class both subjects. I think that text really sums up everything we're hearing. If I can go back to what that, that teacher mentioned about masks, um, they're not being worn in certain cases. Um, they're, sometimes students are wearing kind of very cheap ones. They don't fit them properly. They're hanging under their nose. They're under their chin. I heard of students who were drinking through them now, apparently, if they're wet, they're ineffective anyway. Um, they're not proper masks. Sometimes teachers are being asked to go to isolation areas with students in just very cheap masks themselves, and they've asked for... That's one of the, the issues that came up on Saturday as well, is kind of really good masks that, that teachers can wear in circumstances like that. I've seen myself um, crowds of students gathering outside of a building. So, for example if they're in transition year and they're getting a break and they're all outside, no masks on, no social distancing being adhered to. Now, that can only lead to a spread of a virus, surely. But but I I feel very sad for that teacher who has to stay at home. And and the worry is that a lot of the young people will be asymptomatic, but that doesn't mean they're not going to stop spreading the virus. They'll be sitting in that classroom, won't even realise that they have COVID-19 and will be spreading it around. Exactly, and, and they won't know. And the other point is then, if a student is identified uh, and they're positive, when it comes to finding their close contact, all they do is they're going back 48 hours. 
But I think then isolation is 14 days. And before they show symptoms, I think they may spread the virus up to three days before that. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know if the testing is even going back far enough, but I, I'm not a medical expert. So you're, you're, but you're balloting your members, um, Anne. I mean, are, are you serious about strike action or are teachers serious about strike action? Well, that's up to teachers themselves. We had a meeting on Saturday with over 100 teachers. Now, it wasn't a physical meeting. It was a remote meeting. We haven't been able to have this meeting physically. We were meant to have this meeting in May. We held it online last Saturday and we had over 100 teachers. The motion was pushed. The motion says it will um, be put to ballot. Um, If passed, it could lead to industrial action up to and including strike action. So nothing is actually ruled in or ruled out. And it's up to the teachers to, to decide, do they want to go for this or not? Now, we have also given a period of time. We would like all of these um, problems addressed by the 30th of October. So I think a lot of schools could do a lot of hard work up to that point. Lucy wonders, does Anne think that schools should simply not have reopened? We should have continued doing the home-based work. Well, I'm not sure, but I, but I think if schools could open as safely as possible, and I've mentioned cases today of just simple little things that could be put in, put in place. Um, the, the remote learning worked very well for good students, but then a lot of students had no Wi-Fi. Didn't, yeah, didn't work for everybody. Enough. I, think schools, yeah. I think one of the most effective I've heard has been Uruguay. And what they seem to have done is they bring back half of them alternately, half in, half out, and half following at home at the same time. And I suppose really we need, you know, we've, We've underinvested for years in our school system. We've had huge class sizes. We've had the lowest investment in Europe. And had all those things been in order as well, that might have made this a little better now. Yeah, it's coming back to bite now for sure. Maura says, what does Anne make of under level five, which is almost lockdown of the country? The schools would remain open. Maura, as a mother of teenagers, is very worried about that. Yeah, that's a good question. And a lot of our members have raised that as well on Saturday. Now, I think the plan says levels one to four schools will be open. Level five, it's it's almost that they could look at different cases. Um, but I did hear Killian de Gascoigne uh, talking the other night and did say that schools would remain open. And that is a big concern of ours, that there seems to be this agenda that at all costs keep the schools open, even if everything else in society is closed. I would worry like that listener does too. Okay. All right. Listen, Anne, we'll keep in contact uh, with you. Stay safe and thanks a million for joining us on the programme this morning. And thank you very much, Patricia. Good morning to you. Bye bye. That is uh, Anne Pickett, who is the uh, president of the ASTI. Jim in Clonakilty says, I went to uh, a hospital for a procedure and I had a test done for COVID-19. Oh, yeah. This is, you know, when you're going into for any kind of a procedure in hospital, you have to have a a test, a COVID-19 test before they'll allow you into the hospital for the actual procedure. Jim said, I had the test at 9am and I had the result by 6pm. I asked, could I have a letter saying that the result is negative? Because if I have to go to, for, to a function, say, in the next week, I'd be able to say, well, I've had a COVID-19 test and I'm negative. The lady said, no, that the test or the test result will only last for 48 hours. So does that mean if I went back for something else next week, I would need to go for a test again uh, if it only lasts 48 hours? Uh, yes, it does mean that Jim because we have already heard from a couple of listeners who have had to have a second procedure or a follow-up procedure 
within a week and they had to go back and have another COVID-19 test. So the test is only applicable for that 48. Uh, I didn't realise it was 48 hours. I knew it was a limited uh, period of time. So yes, if you had to go back for another procedure, then yes, you'll be back having another swab uh, done. And there are reports coming in of a collision on the N71 in Ballinhasic. Delays as a result take care on approach. That's a collision on the N71 in Ballinhasic. Record today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. Sorry, I was trying to jump all there at the same time. I wanted to give a message. Oh, where is it gone? There was a text in from Tim. Sorry, Tim and y'all. Uh, this is to do with Ronan Glynn. When somebody earlier was talking about Dr. Ronan Glynn and saying that he doesn't seem to have the same confidence as the nation as, say, Dr. Tony Houlihan uh, said. And uh, Tim says, I think it's unfair that the general public, including yourself, says Tim, are expressing dissatisfaction with the way that Dr. Ronan Glynn is delivering the information regarding COVID-19. This is a typical Irish attitude. If you don't like the colour of the book, it's not a good book. He may not win personality of the year, but hey, he's giving us the information. We should be more concerned with that, the information he's giving and avoid getting bogged down on personalities, says uh, Tim and Yall. Well, Tim, thank you for that. And I'm not critical of Dr. Ronan Glynn. I think we all fell in love with Dr. Tony Houlihan and we all felt when he came on every night, he was like, he was, it was almost like he was the a father figure almost and he was keeping us all all safe and I think no matter who replaced Dr. Tony Clint, Dr. Houlihan when he stepped down it could have been the Pope delivering the message and I think because we had such affection for uh, Dr. Tony Houlihan I think that's the, that's the reason that it's a tougher job for Dr. Ronan Glynn but and, and I think the other thing is and as I said when I was talking about Ronan Glynn I think it's that we're getting tired you know and maybe if Dr. Tony Houlihan had stayed on doing the job we'd be tired of listening to Dr. Tony at this stage there's just almost fatigue and and that's not right we we have to stop getting tired of the message because the message you're right it isn't changing it is the same message and we all have to the pandemic has not gone away and COVID-19 has not gone away so regardless of who's delivering the message but thank you for your text to uh, 0862103103 Margaret has contacted us uh, with a really good email uh, good morning to you Margaret good morning Patricia how are you? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm well and, and yours is, is a bit on that line as well about people getting a bit fatigued by the whole thing but the COVID-19 like it hasn't gone away but you're saying in your email today we need to go back to where we were at the start of all of this Well when we started in March I mean there was such and you know it was there was so much solidarity so much community spirit and we were all going to look out for each other and we were going to get through this and and you see the message I think was uh, and and we probably all thought it like um, you know give it a couple of weeks give us two weeks, give it six weeks, give it, you know, then it went down to three months. But, like, we were told at the start it was going to be a long a long haul. We knew it was going to be a long haul. We knew that this wasn't going to go away anytime soon. But we expected an end to it. And I think now that there isn't an end to it, I think it's gone to the stage, like, where, well, it's, it's the eye is coming in again. And I hate that, you know, like, I want to do this and I want to do that. And the we is forgotten. There's no I in team. We're all in this together. And if we don't buy into it again, we are going to be in the same situation, I think, as England and America are at the moment. And we're going to see an upsurge in, in our numbers, in our hospitals. And then we're all going to be 
saying, well, why didn't we do what we were asked to do when we were and, asked to do it? And we did so well at the start and we proved that we could flatten the curve and the numbers went down and the numbers in hospital went down and the numbers in ICU went down and then they started to reopen the country and then it's like as if we've forgotten. Well, you see, I, I no, this is the eye again. This is uh, like my thing. From the start, we were giving a roadmap. We were given this roadmap of um, hope where like every three weeks uh, it, things would be looked at and something else could open. And we were given that firm roadmap at the, I think it was around April, say towards the end of April, that this roadmap came out. So that, you know, we had a date for this will open then we wait three weeks and see how that goes and then we'll, you know... We have another date have and another, another date, date. yeah. yeah remember and then that? we had an end date, like where the pubs would open. 10th of August. In, which was in, yes, in August. So, like, we had that, that, that timeline where those things would happen. But then it was, well, we don't want to wait until then. So we can do this and we can open safely and we can, you know, and the lobbying started. And then all of a sudden, the ones that were left at the end, which were the pubs, were left in limbo because the others, uh, the, the you know, the virus had come back again. The, the, the numbers started going up. And so they were pushed out. I I think if we had followed that timeline, not to the letter maybe, but like if we had followed it more, you know, um, with with the hope that we had all those dates, that, that maybe we might have been, we might be in a better place. Are, no. are you worried where we are now? Um, yes. Mm. I am worried where where we are now because I I can't see um, no I can't see uh, I can't see that like say for the group like that I'm involved with say the active retirement mm. I can't see that that we should be back now I can't see that we we would be able to be back um, uh, with social distancing with, um, with people with underlying conditions and I hate saying like we are a vulnerable group. We are a very, very strong group. We are the group that will that keep the economy going. We are the ones that spend money in the local economy. We are the ones that go to the post office. We are the ones that will will help with charities. We are the ones that will, you know, will support everything. And now, like we, it seems that we are going to be pushed back, like as in get back. You know, that if you if you stay inside, that maybe well you'll be all right, and everyone else can get on with their lives. And that's, that's not fair. Not. And that's it's not fair. And no, and no. I certainly don't want to live with a society where we say, okay, we're going to lock up all the older and the vulnerable people. She stay yeah. indoors, and and we'll go on. And I don't think anybody anybody wants no, a society no. like that. If if like if this keeps going, like I would be afraid to end up in hospital. I would be not that I'd be afraid of the hospital because I think they're doing a fantastic job, but I do not want to be in a position where I'm going to end up in hospital. Um, looking at somebody, trying to understand somebody through a mask, through um, a visor, um, uh, not actually looking at somebody's face and they're telling you that you're, you know, this is what we're going to do or this is what we have to do. I don't uh, and, and you dread ending up on a ventilator because... Yes. Uh, uh, just explain why. Well, I, all my family and most my friends know this. Like, 11 years ago, um, my partner ended up in the Mercy Hospital in Cork. Uh, no, he had been uh, he had been ill uh, before that, but he ended up in the hospital because he was finding find it very hard to breathe, and he was diagnosed initially with uh, double pneumonia, and 
no, it was it was very hard to watch him trying to trying to breathe, you know. And I got a call then about uh, two o'clock the second night he was in to say they were they're going to have to intubate him. And I made it over before they had it done. And I was able to talk to him and I was able to tell him what they were going to do and all that. And it wasn't through a mask. It wasn't through a visor. He could look into my eyes. I could look into his eyes. And I could see the fear, you know. And then you had this machine that was going, that was, that was actually keeping him alive. And it did. And, and the staff were absolutely fantastic. They were, they were amazing now. They, you know, they did everything they possibly could. But there was no going to be, I mean, I had the feeling there was going to be no good outcome from this. And like when he was uh, able to, when they were able to do it, they did the scan and found out that he had a, he actually had a tumour in his stomach which was pressing up onto his lungs oh, and crushing them. Now, to sit with a doctor and a palliative care team and they're looking at you and you're looking at them and you're hoping that they'll tell you something. And you're kind of hoping that it, it, like if, if there is a good outcome or if there might be a good outcome, that there's no damage has been done, you know. But there was no good outcome. And we stood there and, like, we had we had family around. We stood there holding his hand while that machine was turned off. Now, when that beep stops, Patricia, it is the silence. It, it's unbelievable. It is unbelievable. And I don't want any of my family or anyone I love or anyone I know in that position, you know, to think that that machine and and that machine will be would have been used a couple of hours later for somebody else, you know, and and, and another family would hear that beep and, and watch that monitor and hope that their loved one was going to come out uh, the proper end of it, and that is not something anybody wants to see or anyone anybody wants to witness, especially now that you're looking at somebody through visors through this PPE everything, because there is no, you cannot see somebody's face. And in many cases, um, Margaret, you wouldn't even be allowed in to hold your loved one's no, hand. No, We had that, like, I, I look at it now and I'd say we had that luxury, which which is, it, it's uh, it's not an easy thing. We actually had that luxury of being there and being able to, uh, you know, that the, the, they were so good, they waited for family members to come. They were, they, you know, we had that luxury of standing there and being able and being present for that. Where, where now it, it is a stranger will be there. It's, it's not you who is going to be there. It's going to be a stranger who's there. And that is frightening, you know. And I don't want that for myself. I don't want it for anybody. Absolutely. You know. So you, you, your, your end of your email was, we must take ownership of our own behaviour. Yes. Wear a it, mask, people. Wear is, a mask. Yes, it is. But as well as that, like, it seems to me, like, it seems to me now that for every solution that's presented, there is a problem. Somebody will find the problem. Like, I can't wear a mask. I don't like, I hate them. I absolutely hate them. But it doesn't mean that I won't put it on, you know. And it doesn't mean that I'm going to put myself in the position where I'm going to walk into a shop and it's crowded or I'm going to walk into anything that's crowded. I'll, I'll stay away. I'll stay, if I have to do that I will stay at home so we have to take we have to take stock every day of what we're going to do I'm quite sure you do Patricia in the morning when you get up with with Marcia you have to take stock of what you're going to do how you're going to do it when you're going to do it 
and how you're going to do it safe. Yeah. It's as simple so as that. So we all it's, have to do. Listen, yeah. you've you've uh, it's your, your your story about the ventilator is is a powerful story, and I well, think, as you say, you don't want to end up, and you don't want to see anybody else. No end up on, on, on a ventilator no. and that's unfortunately what happens that's the end that's the uh, end. For, for, for people who yeah. are in with COVID-19 who get it very bad listen Margaret look after yourself and thank you your emails are always a pleasure right, uh, thanks, thanks a much. million and thanks for joining us right, God bye. bless bye 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 lovely woman at uh, Margaret joining us 1850 um, John Paul has said you're taking your course you can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103 this Court today. Court today. With Patricia Messenger on C103. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. The way I know it's a Wednesday, we normally have Peter Dowdle on a Wednesday. He's off today. He will be back with us though next week answering your gardening questions. So hold off on those. Some of your thoughts coming in. We spoke about teachers in the last hour. Anne Pickett, the Cork-based president of the ASDI, talking about how concerned teachers are and teachers feel in many schools social distancing isn't going on. There isn't proper mask use uh, being done and there's nowhere for them to hold meetings and just they're very nervous and they are uh, having a ballot of the ASDI members and they are threatening strike action if the Department of Health and Department of Education don't get their act together and make sure that schools are a safe environment both for themselves as teachers but they also for the wider school community and for the pupils some people's reaction to my chat with Anne. Tony says, if the teachers are so concerned about the virus, they should pack up their jobs and give them to people out there that really want those jobs. Stop coming out moaning and groaning, says uh, Tony. And Mary says, you'll never hear nurses giving out. We're all afraid of COVID-19. Teachers seem to want more time off, but yet they'll want the same pay. They are only worried for themselves and looking for problems to complain about. Meanwhile, nurses who are at the cold face of COVID-19 just seem to get on with it. That's from Mary. Some of your WhatsApps coming in on COVID-19. We may all be tired of COVID-19 and the routine and the restrictions, but it's also necessary for all of us if we want to survive, says this texter. I personally miss Dr. Tony Houlihan giving his updates and his advice. He had a very strong personality. He seemed to take control of the situation. I now feel that a lot of the new updates are being given either by reporters or government ministers. Their focus at times seems to be more about economic and not on the people. Well, that's my opinion, says a texter. Thank you for that. Catherine says, all the talk of COVID testing. Unless things have changed in the past two weeks with the testing regime in vulnerable settings, i.e. nursing homes. Now, according to Catherine, those tests on nursing home staff, Catherine says, is not mandatory. Definitely not all staff are taking the test in the HSC nursing home where my mother resides in Cork County. I'm sure most of the public think that all the staff take the test. It's absolutely crazy to think staff think it's okay not to take the test and yet they work with vulnerable people. Now, I don't... I was always led to believe 
that the testing regime in nursing homes, similar to the one that's going on in the meat plants, is mandatory. I've I have nothing. I have I haven't seen anything. I haven't been told anything to say that it's a voluntary code of practice. If you want to get a test, you, you can. So we're going to email the HSE, Catherine, just to try to get confirmation on that. I certainly haven't heard about that uh, before, but obviously you get. I don't know where you're getting your information from, but the fact that your mother-in-law resides there, I'm assuming that you got that from a member of staff. So let us check in with the HSE just to find out exactly what's going on there. And to the listener who's trying to get information on... A loved one who's in hospital at the moment and they're trying to speak. They can't meet any of the doctors and anytime they go visiting, there's never a doctor around and was wondering, could they ring, you know, would they be entitled to ring the ward sister? And I felt sure that they could. Somebody wants to point out because of GDPR, there's no automatic right of family members, friends, etc. unless specified by the patient to be informed of any information on the patient. Well, I took it from the text that it is a vulnerable patient and the person, the listener who's contacted us, it's test results they're looking for to see how the test results went. went. So I'm assuming they have the right for a doctor to, to, to fill them in. But yes, of course, you can't just willy-nilly ring up to find out how, how a patient is unless that has been specified or you're next of kin and, and you have the authority to get that information. Thank you for that. Hi, Patricia. Maybe it's time to change tactics. If the younger, less vulnerable generation were encouraged to continue working and socialising as normal while following all the rules and regulations, the economy would start to improve. Most of this age group are able to cope with the infection. The elderly and the vulnerable need to step up and protect themselves, which would reduce the risk of increasing the case load within the hospitals. Everybody needs to adapt to living with this virus as it could be around for many years. And in fairness, I think the majority of the older and more vulnerable people are doing that. I think that is happening at the moment. I know we are starting to see a slight increase in older people getting COVID-19, but there was a stage a number of weeks ago where when we dug down into the figures that have been released for that day and again it was showing that the something like over 70% were under 45 there was something like only 2% of the people that have been tested positive on that day were over 65s that I, I do think the older generation are very conscious and very aware and very scared of getting COVID-19 and I do think that they are doing the right thing but it's the fear of the younger generation passing it on not meaning to pass it on to granny or granddad or or, or mum or or, or dad or a vulnerable person I think that's uh, the big worry at the moment Okay, some of more of your texts coming in Margaret, who joined us in the last hour, talking about how we all need to pull together, you know, and we're all in this together for the long uh, haul. And North Cork listener says, I think if we did what Margaret said, this country would be totally banjaxed. I don't think anywhere should be locked down, according to this North Cork listener. Just let the virus run its course. We're all listening to too many things about the virus. Isn't the normal flu a virus? And don't we live with that? Uh, we do, but I think it's very different and I think the all of the expert advice is there to tell us, well, it is a virus, it is very different to the normal flu. And yes, every year, unfortunately, people die from the normal flu. That's why we're encouraged to get our flu vaccine and the at-risk group in particular would be at risk of dying from the normal flu. Coronavirus is very different in that it's much more contagious than the normal flu uh, virus and coronavirus will kill and is killing more people than the normal flu 
uh, does. So I don't think, I know what you're suggesting is the herd immunity and should just let it rip through society. And if you're lucky enough to survive, you do. And if you're not, it's kind of tough. I I do not want to live in a world like that. And and I don't think most people uh, do. Uh, Thank you for your text. Somebody else was on. Michael says, Hi Patricia, I came in halfway through your interview with Margaret. What a powerful story she told and so articulate in the way she put it out there. That was when Margaret was talking about her partner and when her partner had to go on a ventilator and then how the machine had to be switched off and the the beeping and then the silence in the room. And like that is happening to people who end up on ventilators and unfortunately loved ones are not even with them. They're with, I hate to say total strangers, but they're with a nurse in, in many cases, but they don't have that touch, you know, Margaret saying, holding her partner's hand and speaking to him right to to the last moment. So many families have unfortunately not been able to do that anyway. Yeah, and you're right, Michael. It, it, was, it was very powerful the way she described it. Anyway, Michael says, I think people have gotten very complacent to the basics of keeping their distance and about wearing a mask. I've noticed that in the last couple of weeks when I'm doing my weekly shop last week, a lot, no masks at all or they were improperly used. I am one of those people who cocooned earlier on and I have asthma and I have had a chest infection in the very early stages. I'm very worried about where our numbers are going. Please, 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 can we get the message across to people? We all need to do the right thing. Thank you for that, Michael. Stay safe and, and look after yourself. Somebody wants to know then if we could find out about the, her particular doctor's surgery in the county is refusing to see patients who authorised that. Every GP practice is doing the very same thing. They're not seeing people. They will talk to you. You you ring in, you say what's wrong with you and I hope in the majority of cases a doctor will call you back even though one of our listeners was saying they're still waiting on a call back but in the majority of cases that's the way, way they're doing it. Who authorised it? I don't know if that came from the Department of Health in the early stages but it's certainly been there since the start of lockdown. It's the new way that GP practices are operating. They, As they say, triage you. They deal with you over the phone and then if you need something, they then go on to tell you what to, you know, to go into the chemist and they they email your prescription straight through to the chemist now as well. That's the way the, the system. So I don't, um, when you say who authorised it, I'm assuming it was the Department of Health gave that recommendation to GP practices, but it's not just GP practices in your own town. It's GP practices all over the uh, country. Hi, Patricia. What do you think of the, or oh, this is the form, there's a number of people actually sending in texts about this. The 400 people who went to the gig in the Glen Eagle at the weekend, I am disgusted and horrified by it. Now, John Paul tells me that he has sent an email off to the Glen Eagle. Can I just say to John Paul, he's working flat out today. There's so many different queries coming in that he's to send emails off uh, trying to get answers back. He has emailed the Glen Eagle just to try to get confirmation about it. We've a number of people talking about it, saying there was 400 people. Some people have seen video footage of it. Uh, others are saying everyone was socially distanced uh, etc. But when we've checked on the guidelines you can't have 400 people at an indoor event isn't it? It's 100 at the most that you can have or, or is it even 50? Sure with the weddings it's only 50 are allowed in. Anyway we're, we're getting, we're waiting to get clarification as to what exactly happened and how they managed uh, to do it and you know particularly under the current guidelines so uh, bear with us but anyway a lot of listeners are disgusted and horrified to hear of that story doing the rounds at the moment and Anna uh, oh thank you Anna for getting back to us Anna had contacted us uh, last week the week before Anna had to go 
for a COVID-19 test and it was to do with the hospital procedure that she was getting done and she was wondering about it, a bit nervous as a lot of people are and I remember she rang in when we had Annalise Drussell on the programme and looking for advice from Annalise and Annalise had never had a COVID-19 test and I had had one so I threw in my top and safety worth to Anna to say to tell her not to be worried about it and it's just more uncomfortable the the swab up the nose. It's just, I didn't, the throat one didn't bother me at all, I have to say. But the one up the nose was just a bit uncomfortable. But anyway, Anna got back to say, Patricia, just to say, I had my COVID test yesterday and it went fine, thank God. Bit of nasal discomfort. That was the bit I had feared. Uh, and I'm with you, I was the same. So thank you again for your reassurance and your help and uh, support. Well, listen, only too glad to do that. Uh, stay well. And Anna, stay well as well. And I hope everything goes okay with your, with your procedure as well. Now, there's also a number of people have been on to us about the TDs getting an increase in their pay. Let me see if I can find some of the thoughts that have come in on this because there was a number came in earlier. I just wasn't able uh, to get around to it. I think there was a text in earlier on as well. A listener was saying, Ash, the old TDs, don't they deserve their 2% salary increase and all the help they have to get from their special advisors with salaries of 100k plus. When it will come to the budget, there'll be no money to give a small increase for people on pensions or another social welfare payments. What a great little country we live in that they could have at least deferred their latest salary increase. That was a text that came in and Tony was on and he took out the pencil and the paper and worked out some figures today. And he said, this morning I've been number crunching and this 2% pay increase that TDs are to get, they will receive €37 a week extra. But calculating the old age pensioners increase over the years, it seems old age pensioners got €18.30 of an increase over the last 11 years years. So many cuts took place to so many other allowances in the same period. They took money away from blind people on pensions and why, why, so why not increase all those that lost out on allowances if they can give themselves a pay increase? And this is a story that's making front page on a lot of, a lot of the papers today. The fact that the pay of TDs will rise to close to the Celtic Tiger levels next week when their wage hike will go. This is for the ordinary TDs. €98,000 a year. A 2% increase will bring deputies' annual pay nearer its highest point. And the highest point, this was back in Celtic Tiger days, they were getting just over 100000 It was 100191 So they're going to be very close to that. And obviously they've had cuts since the recession in 2008. So next week they'll be back up to €98,000. Senator salary is also going up to 67400 and. 74 and that's not far off their Celtic Tiger pay which was at 70,131 now the Taoiseach Micheál Martin and ministers by the way they have waived their increase so this is only for the ordinary backbench uh, TDs the Micheál Martin and the rest of the ministers were due an increase next week uh, as well but they're not uh, going to take that but it does mean that the pay rise for most of the other Oireachtas politicians will cost will come in at a cost of 264 million a year it is absolutely mind-boggling. And I know Adrian Cummins, Chief Executive of the Restaurant Association, he's well annoyed about the pay increase and saying that it should be deferred until a roadmap for the country's recovery is drawn up. And this also comes at a time when the COVID-19 payment for people who are on the €350 a week, that has decreased at the same time. So people certainly are very, very annoyed uh, about it. Jura says the Irish people will again let this 
this increase happen. We are being laughed at, looked down on by most of our elected representatives. I don't care what party is in government. This feels like they are robbing the people. It has to stop. Shane says they're cutting the payment for the people that lost their jobs due to COVID-19 and then the TDs can give themselves a pay rise. It's a complete joke. And Darren says it's a disgrace what's happening up there in the circus that is the doll you you will not you wouldn't see it in any, any other country if it happened in any other country it would end up like a civil war okay that's just some of your thoughts uh, coming in on that people not happy and also I also saw there was some people commenting on the 10 junior ministers who are each getting their own advisors? People aren't happy about that either. 1850-333-103. John Paul and Sadie taking your calls. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. Now, this is underway as we speak. It's the Mallow Active Retirement Group. They're holding a collection for Marymount Hospice. It's in the Carragoon GAA Club today in Mallow from now until one o'clock it's instead of their usual coffee morning for the hospice which obviously they can't have due to COVID at 19 Balancholic GAA they are hosting a coffee morning in Aidan Marymount though they're doing it tomorrow between half nine and two o'clock now you're please asked to support and obviously social distancing measures will be in place and you're asked to adhere to that and Kildallery Community Development they've got their weekly lotto draw that's at four o'clock in Kildallery Community uh, Office to uh, on tomorrow Thursday and the jackpot 2,600 euro and a charity open day will be held at the Garden of Reimagination in Glengariff this Saturday where you can enjoy tours tea and cake plus be in with a chance of a prize draw tickets are 25 euro and pre-booking is essential you to book you log on to www. Two, that's T-W-O, two green shoots.com and all proceeds are going to help the kelp campaign. Court today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 86 103 And I will get back to your comments in a moment but I want to move to a different issue because Peter Kelly of Weddings by Frank fame believes plans need to be put in place now for how to hold Christmas parties safely this year during the coronavirus pandemic and I say Peter Kelly joins me. Good afternoon to you, Peter. Good morning. Uh, How are you? I'm very well and and, and you're welcome. Do you think this year more than ever that people will need a good old knees up and a good old Christmas party? Yeah, I think think (laughs) there's going to be, I think there's a huge appetite uh, for people to enjoy Christmas. I mean, a lot of people may be spending Christmas at home and parties at home and stuff like that, but um, I do think that... um, if it was planned correctly, I think more kind of um, Christmas outside events, as long as it's socially distanced, will work, you know. But I do think we need kind of really good legislation in in place so that people can plan for this, um, because I do think that um, there is going to be um, an appetite. And I think it's a bit like if you don't plan for it, um, that's when problems will arise and we don't want any more um rises in in numbers you know yeah i suppose that's the real danger if you don't have organized events 
uh, human nature is human nature. You will have people who will break the rules and will end up with these raves and these parties that, that, yeah. that, that we're hearing about. And I, I think that's, that is a kind of a, um, one of the big problems, you know, because um, I suppose my job is to study human nature, predict what people are going to do before they do it and um, at events. And, um, and like at the moment, I, I, I said, uh, I was discussing it uh, during this week about how... Um, the hotels at the moment for weddings of 50, um, you're not allowed to serve drinks after half 11 and uh, they can take ring, uh, drinks in their rooms. But I think this is a huge mistake because I feel that with human nature at half 11, you've had a few drinks, people are just going to say, oh, look, come on, let's all go back to my room. So there'll be 30 people in a room and that is very hard to police. Whereas if there was no room, drinks in the rooms and there was drink in the bars or the restaurants in a controlled environment, you won't have these outbreaks. And, um, and plus there's been, at the moment we've, we've, we've been asking for figures, but there doesn't seem to be any cases whatsoever in hotels um, in the country. Mm. And a majority of all the cases are in community-based um, outside. So um, I think the hotels and restaurants are, are really doing a good job of having a very controlled environment. And it looks like a lot of the cases are not coming from either of them so it is very hard for them to be shut down when they are quite Yeah uh, I was looking at a breakdown of figures for Dublin there were very detailed breakdown of all the different areas in Dublin where the COVID-19 cases was was increasing but then they looked at where the different clusters came from and the majority of them were inside in people's private homes yeah. it was gatherings and homes and actually hotels and restaurants were way down there was a tiny proportion and this was coming at the time when those hotels and restaurants were forced to close in Dublin so it did seem a little bit unfair on yeah, them. Yeah and I think that is the, the problem that I think uh, we're very used to uh, controls in the event industry and in the hotel industry and um, you know even like policing people dancing on the floors they said that's going to be a new thing and I said well actually uh, for the last 25 years I've been policing people dancing on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> you know you're, you're always keeping an eye that no one's running out there with a glass in their hand or dropping a glass on the dance floor so you know, policing is happening all the time and, you know, especially for large-scale events as well. I mean, if you see all the events that happen in, in arenas and in stadiums, they have to clear an arena uh, of 15,000 to 5,000 people and it usually takes maybe 10 minutes because there's a huge amount of staff. It's very controlled. Everybody walks in, in, a, in, a, in a, an orderly fashion out of the building. So the controls are already in place. I just think we have to be given uh, room to help um put stricter rules in place and then events and, um, you know, uh, parties can happen very safely. But I, when you say do events outside, because we know that the safest way uh, with, with COVID-19 is outside, I straight away think we don't have the kindest weather for outdoor events, particularly around Christmas. We don't, but, you know, we don't have that bad either. I mean, when you think of when we go to places like Germany and Copenhagen, they have actually worse weather than we do um, and usually a lot colder. Yeah. So I've done Christmas events outside for years and um, uh, we've we've even made it snow um, <laughs> in Ireland. Um, but I do think that um, once you wrap up and you go out and if you've got a scarf, which is even better, cover your face um, I think that um, people really want to be able to get out and experience it might be only lighting it might be um, music it might be um, an outdoor you know area where you've, you're holding on to with your dear life a nice cup of hot chocolate or whatever but people will want to experience Christmas Christmas is going to come 
Santa's coming and it's going to it's going to happen. So I just plan. think the plan. The, yeah, plan. It's all about planning. Yeah, yeah. How, how has the year gone? I mean, with so many weddings cancelled and or the ones that went ahead, just a small number of guests. How, how did your business get on, Peter? Oh, it's been a complete wipeout for the entire industry, really. I mean, we've been lucky in the fact that um, we diversified years ago and we've got a company called Snow Business where we provide snow for events, which events aren't happening, but we are going to be doing snow for events for Christmas. And then we also launched... Um, a website called House of Franc, where we're now um, sending stuff to people's houses to have their own, um, if they want to decorate their house for Christmas or if they want um, to, you know, celebrate a, um, a party at home with vases or tea lights or whatever. Um, we've got a website which is providing that. Um, so we've we've always been trying to diversify, but as in majority of all of our, our events, that were booked for this year, they've all been transferred to next year. Yeah. And, and, and even next year, we don't know. But the small weddings that went ahead, anyone that I've spoken to that was either at a small wedding or had a, or, 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 or they were themselves the bride and groom, they all speak about what, that it was this wonderful little intimate affair and some of them actually admitted they were glad that they didn't have the big bash. Yeah, well, you see, I've always said that it doesn't matter. Size really doesn't matter. Um, it's You can have an amazing party with, you know, 50 to 20 to 50 people. Um, if you think of most Christmas parties at home, there's probably no more than 20 at it. And you have a fan- I don't know anyone who hasn't had a fantastic party at home. So I do think that people now are looking at having um, smaller weddings. And I think guests are probably saying, that's great too because sometimes they were going they didn't really want to go so it might be the best excuse ever <laughs> I did hear that this year as well a lot of people there was a lot of people delighted when they heard they weren't getting a wedding invitation yeah. but um, it is it is a it's, it, it has been a, um, a for the industry it's quite scary because if you look at um, the impact is huge on the, on the country um, at the moment you've got um, in Dublin there's very few uh, bed nights uh, there's a lot of uh, restaurants have closed down um, bars you know it's it's uh, this when when the event industry slows down and people aren't traveling to go to events there's a huge knock-on effect and that means there's um, I think there's there's hundreds of thousands of people um, haven't worked since um, I would say March mm-hmm. and the big thing that people don't understand about the events industry is in March um, most of the work we would have been doing was planned a year to six months in advance of that so the minute the lockdown happened uh, a lot of people lost six months work immediately and then uh, for the last six months they haven't had work and again people aren't booking events right now so the next six months to a year there may be very few events happening because of uh, COVID so the industry has been uh, I mean decimated decimated yeah it really has. And is there any sign of, of a bailout from the government? Or well, it's it's we're we're um, we're trying to get them to work with us now uh, um, to have like um, a group that can work across a lot of different areas because I, I, I it's still very hard to understand how many people are in our industry because there's the theatre industry, there's the um, the hotel industry, the restaurant industry. You've got then the event industry, which covers everything from you know, large-scale events to small-scale events. You've got entertainers. You've got artists. It's a huge sector that's um, decimated. So and I don't think you'll see uh, really what happens until maybe, I'd say, Christmas. We're just hoping that Christmas will actually help um, lift some 
events um, but it's very hard to know Yeah and tell me about your purchase of the Mercy Convent in, in Roscarbury Yeah so I um, I was delighted to, to buy that and it's literally um, I want to um, move there um, back to West Cork um, because um, it's uh, where I grew up and um, and I have a lot of connections uh, with the area and uh, so it was um, something that um, myself and my wife both thought would be a, a perfect um, place to end our days. <laughs> to, what, to, to live and work? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's not just going to be a very posh house. Because <laughs> <laughs> we that, 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 that that could happen. I, I, I might be very happily um, 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 living out my days uh, um, in the, the, in the Mercy Convent in, in exactly, Roscarbury. Yeah. I don't yeah. think so, Peter. I really don't <laughs> think so. Because when I mentioned that you were on, somebody straight away was in with, could you ask Peter Kelly today, <laughs> is he going to have weddings in Roscarbury Convent? It's a place I'd love to get married in as he is the new owner. Okay, is that the long-term goal? Um, no. Ah, <laughs> I had it all worked out. <laughs> no, I've got I've got great plans. Um, there's so many, uh, but I really want to. What I want to do is kind of um, put a focus back on West Cork as being um, a hub because I I, um, I love it and um, I, I want to kind of celebrate the the best parts of West Cork while I'm there. So I want to work with the uh, the area to to showcase the best of the best. Will it be wedding themed at all? Well, I'm not saying I won't. Okay. I won't. I'm not saying I will. <laughs> because the fact that it's an old Mercy convent, I see. I did all about out of my head. I'm assuming there's a chapel in there. There is. I have a beautiful chapel. See. Yeah. Wedding. Beautiful chapel. Yeah. Overlooking the sea. Weddings inside in the chapel, <laughs> and then it was that was that a, was that a boarding school at one stage. Yes. It was, see. Yeah. Well, then we could turn those into bedrooms. <laughs> <laughs> and we got the bridal suite. I, I was positive that yeah, that I have was it all done. I have it all done. Well, listen, you're you're keep us informed of your plans will, at least. Will, all right, listen. And TV wise, um, everything. Yes is, to the dress. No, everything is on hold now. Um, literally until I suppose the next year. Really, I was looking at doing a new show, uh, which was um, traveling a lot, but at the moment that's on hold. So, um, but I'm still. I'm still planning as a man said so okay. watch the space did you did you enjoy Yes to the Dress I did yeah. I did I really enjoyed um, I think it's the the I, I enjoy people so much and I really enjoy being there when they're at a real um, important moment in their life and uh, and it was I met some fantastic um, people I mean amazing parents um, amazing brides and um, and to be there when they're really excited about you know making a big decision in their life, um, and it might seem trivial to some that it's just a dress, but um, it really is kind of um, a great moment. And I, I love being. I feel very lucky that I've been part of an awful lot of people's happy times in their lives because I think when you look back in your life, it's only those few moments in life that you know that you remember. You know, yeah. and uh, so it's, I'm I'm very lucky that I celebrate a lot of uh, people's happiness. So I hope to continue doing that for another while. Well done, well done. Listen, stay stay safe, and uh, we'll speak again. And thanks you a million too. for taking time out to talk Not to us. Lovely talking. Good to you. morning to you. Bye 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 bye. The wonderful Peter Kelly, aka of Frank. Uh, somebody says. 
said uh, I'm uh, listening to your interview with Frank and it's something I've already been asking about in my parish how is Christmas going to be managed this year for Christmas masses etc as normally the churches are packed to capacity for those ceremonies a lot of planning is going to happen yeah yeah, well if the same rules and regulations and guidelines are in place then what is going to happen is uh, they will be the 50 will get into the church and that will be it and all we can do is hope that we will be better on our numbers and our numbers will be going down if we all do the right thing and more will be allowed in but I don't know and there isn't enough priests to say could they put on extra masses there will be a capacity level inside in the church somebody else says what planet is Peter on saying we could be all outdoors in bad weather would he ever cop on he says there's ways around that as well 1850 I'm going to take a break back with some of your calls oh and I want to update you on I got my flu vaccine yesterday people asking me how did I get on I'll tell after these. To know what's happening in Cork, you're in the right place. This is Cork Today on C103. And thank you to Mary who is a worker in a nursing home who has contacted us. This is about the listener Catherine in West Cork who says her mother-in-law is in a nursing home and Catherine was led to believe that the testing of staff at a nursing home that it isn't mandatory. It's up to staff themselves if they want to get it done or not and I was thinking I do not believe that because I heard from day one all of those tests were mandatory a little bit like what's happening in the meat plants. Catherine was on to say absolutely those tests are mandatory. Mary who works in a nursing home is on her eighth test. She said we're now getting tested every two weeks. When it was first rolled out it was every week but she has a funny feeling it might go back to weekly testing uh, again and we wear masks 24-7 but she said 100% people who are working in nursing homes are getting COVID-19 testing on a regular basis and that it is Compulsory. Okay, thank you for that. A couple of people on teachers saying, I work with a thousand others in a company. If I'm off work, I don't get paid. That is where the, that's where, this is where the problem lies with teachers. If they weren't paid when they were off, they wouldn't be looking to go on strike. And someone else says, well said, this was somebody who was complaining about teachers saying that it's always the teachers are moaning, you'll never hear nurses moaning. This person says, well said, the teachers just make me sick. They think they're the only ones working throughout this pandemic. They didn't even work for six months of this year. I take my hat off to all nurses. They are God to all of us and you never hear a word out of them you'll never hear them complaining okay and then people saying did you get your flu vaccine injection yesterday I did I went along to the chemist I had made an appointment for myself husband and Marsha the three of us went along in like our own little bubble all three of us were going forward for our flu vaccination and I booked into my local chemist which is Horgan's Park West uh, at the at Tesco in Mallow we had a four o'clock appointment we arrived in pharmacist was waiting for us she was all PPE'd. She had the full gown on, she had the mask on, she had the visor on. She took each of our temperatures individually and then we were each given the flu, the flu vaccine. It, can I say, the tiniest injection I have ever seen in my life and hand on heart, I did not even feel it go into my arm. I looked away, obviously, when she was putting it into my arm and then she said, there, you're finished. I actually was waiting for, you know, and I knew it was only going to be a tiny little prick, but I was even waiting to feel that and and, and I didn't. And then Marsha, who is, I have to say, as a special needs child, she is fantastic when it comes to any kind of medical procedures like that. She just is really great. Not a bother to her. Rolled up her sleeve and got her injection done and she was all perfect, all 
talking in signing about it afterwards looking to go back again for another injection today so she she was fine and then a hobby had his and it was all grand we just signed the form that was it now before we went to the chemist they did send us on forms that had to be filled in you know just asking how we were feeling and that we weren't near anyone who ha- was COVID-19 we didn't have a cough we hadn't been out of the country the usual questions you would expect to be asked and I emailed all of those over in advance so that when we got to the pharmacy we were in and out I would say it was all done and dusted in two minutes all three of us in we just had to sign the forms temperature taken injection given and that was it and off we went in our merry ways now I did quiz the young pharmacist as to because I had mentioned yesterday when I was going for my flu jab that with the high demand for flu vaccines there isn't there, there seems to be a ration on supplies and she said yes there is a bit of a problem at the moment the first delivery of vaccines has uh, arrived but she was telling me yesterday they only got 20 and she heard of a number of GP practices that only got 20 of the little injections. Uh, so there is going to be a delay before full stocks arrive. Now, the government and the Department of Health are saying it will arrive, so don't panic, but it is going to take a period of time. They're reckoning it's going to be mid-October before all of the supplies are in. So they reckon that by the end of October, everyone who needs to get a vaccine will get a vaccine. So the best thing you can do is make your appointment, uh, give your show of interest that you want to get the vaccine and then wait for a call to say that you can come. But I certainly, it's my first time ever going to the pharmacist to get the flu vaccine. And it was, and I deliberately did it to take pressure off the GP practice because I'm aware of how busy the GP practices are at the moment. So for that reason, we decided we'd go to the pharmacy and it was fantastic. So professionally done. It really was great. And when somebody yesterday was asking, is that free if you're on a medical card? Uh, yes, it is. And it was free. All three of us, none of us had to pay yesterday. Mar- Marsh obviously is a special needs child. So she would fall under the category of, of, of vulnerable so she always gets the flu vaccine and then we as her carers we were entitled to get it as well and the flu vaccine anyone who's on the recommended list will get it free either from their GP or from their uh, chemist for example anybody over the age of 65 anyone who's pregnant it's also free this year for children aged between 2 to 12 years it's a nasal vaccine for them which isn't available yet but it will be available in mid-October and then anyone with long-term health conditions chronic health conditions heart conditions liver disease renal failure I mean the list goes on and on and on anyone who has a body mask BMI over 40 anyone who's deemed obese is entitled to get the free uh, vaccine anyone who's immune suppressant people born with Down syndrome people in nursing homes long term care facilities if you work in healthcare or if you're a carer or live with somebody who's at risk of uh, flu They'll, as I say the list literally goes on and on and on but it, 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 it is it is free for a huge cohort of people this year and there are more people than ever being encouraged to get the flu vaccine but as I say great experience yesterday at the chemist and I would be advising anyone if you're trying to take pressure off your GP to maybe consider going to your local chemist but don't be rushing in next week because all of the pharmacies and the doctor's practices all over the country are now waiting on their vaccinations to come in. And it seems to be, it's not just here in Ireland. The problem is, is, and it's also not to do with an overall shortage of vaccines. It's a delay in delivery, not just in Ireland, but in other countries in the Northern Hemisphere. It's a 
it's a technicality. Can't find out what the technicality is. Nothing to do with the quality issue or anything like that. But GPs have got their first delivery, but it is much less than what they ordered. 1850-333-103. Lines remain open. Okay, that's where I leave you for today. My thanks to John Paul and to Sadie for taking all your calls. We're back with you tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock. Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon. Until tomorrow, 10, I'm Patricia Messenger. Keep safe. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.